So this morning, this morning is a, it's a heavy one. At least, at least I can feel it. <laughs> um, Tyler, do you mind turning the lights on? Go on. Good, thanks. Sorry. So I can see you guys, you know? <laughs> um, good. It's a heavy one. At least I can feel it. And, and as I was praying about what to, to share, um, I really wasn't getting much midweek as I was, it was kind of last minute. And it, it's a topic now that, from what I feel prepared to share on, it's a topic that, <clears throat> that so many people, including Christians, struggle with really struggle with this, and um, <clears throat> whether they're in the church or outside the church, and we don't talk about it much, uh, at least not that I've heard. It, it's something that people can do, uh, they can and, and do struggle with all throughout their life, and they hide it so well. They hide it so well. And the problem is, uh, it, they hide it and it, it eats at them. And before they know it, as it's eating at them, they, they start becoming the person they never wanted to become. I'm going to be talking about depression, about depression. And depression, is, it's a weighty topic that, that I feel very unqualified uh, to preach on, but, it, but it's so prevalent in today's society with everything going on, and, and I don't think we can ignore it <laughs> at the pulpit. There, there's many medical articles out there, physicians <clears throat> and counselors outside of the church that are willing to, to give advice and and diagnose or prescribe medicine. And I'm not against that. But the church doesn't discuss this much. And I believe that maybe because there's such a broad spectrum and sometimes we don't know how to go about it with depression and because of the causes of it. And the mentality we so often have is that, you know, hey, you just need to trust in Jesus. Just put your hope in Jesus. And and, and, and then you won't have any negative thoughts and, and feelings. All your feelings would be great. And the mentality or, or, or mental health is a hot topic in our societies. But I feel in general, we can be so quick to slap a Band-Aid on it and, and prescribe medicine. You know, maybe we, we give encouragement, positive encouragement. I'm not saying this is bad, but we give positive encouragement and just say, hey, stick in there, get better, you know? And it can seem messy sometimes to discuss in church. And I'm going to make an attempt to, to share uh, this from a biblical standpoint. And I really sense, as I was praying about this, even just this morning, I really sense that if you're here this morning, or if you're watching this right now, like this is for you. Whether this be for, for, for you specifically or someone that you know, so you can be a rock for them. whether this be for a friend, a loved one, a spouse, a child, a parent. Listen, depression is real. It's real. And it captivates so many people. And God wants you to be set free. He wants you to be set free. He does. You know, there's, there's really, there's, there's two, there, there's, there's kind of like, there's two types of depression. There's mental depression and there's spiritual depression. And in that, if you think about it, and this is where it can be, you can break that down into two. There, there's, there's depression that is, that is due to circumstances, things that happen in your life. Maybe it happened to you at a younger age. Maybe it was, uh, happened to a loved one of yours or, or circumstances. Something happened and it causes you go into depression. And then there's, 
there's one that I'm not going to say it's necessarily easier, but it, it can be easier for, or I'm sorry, harder, but it can be harder sometimes for Christians to understand. There's ones that are due to, not, not due to circumstances. You know, I, I, I have a decent life. I, I, I have a job. I have a family. I, I haven't lost a close loved one. I, but yet I feel, ugh, what do we do with that? You're always feeling down, and, and, and it's like, why? Everything seems fine. Like, I have a normal life, so to speak. What, what does the church do with that? And in that, there's different kinds of depressions that can happen, triggers, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But, you know, isn't it always encouraging to know if you're going through something, no matter what it is, but especially with depression, it, it helps to know you're not alone, right? Whatever you're going through, doesn't it help you to know you're not alone in this? And, and, and the Bible is clear. You know, what's so encouraging to me is the Bible doesn't just talk about it, but there's actual live people that wrote about their depression, that really struggled with this. Like some people really struggled in the Bible with depression, with anxiety, and they battled between their soul and their brain, this, ah, the fear, and with oppression. And we'll get into oppression maybe a little bit, uh, but the difference is, but we're going to probably, maybe, I don't think we have time for all that, so we might get into that another time. But what happens is so many, let, let's, let's look at the Bible of some real people um, that dealt with depression. Think of Job. <laughs> Job, who, who had his, their life as bad as Job? I mean, think about it. He, he lost everything, and he ends up writing a pretty depressing poetry, some pretty depressing stuff. In Job 30, 16 through 20, listen to this. And now my life seeps away. Depression haunts my days. At night, my bones are filled with pain, which gnaws at me relentlessly. With a strong hand, God grabs my shirt. He grips me by the collar of my coat. He has thrown me into the mud. I'm nothing more than dust and ashes. I cry to you, O oh God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but you don't even look. You may be able to relate to Job if you've, you, feel, you felt sadness, right? It seems like every day you're filled, with, you're filled with depression and that God is absent. Elijah, Elijah saw some pretty cool things. I mean, fire was sent down to, to win a bet against false prophets. Pretty epic, right? And you would think after seeing stuff like that, like you'd be in an all-time Jesus high, right? But so often like us, you know, cool things happen, great things happen, miracles happen, you see things, you're encouraged and what do we do? We forget. <clears throat> and Elijah, he, <clears throat> he started having fear come into his mind. And he started doubting that, that, Jesus, that God was going to uh, act the same way that he did in the past. And, and he's afraid for his life. And he begins to, to experience suffering. And in the midst of the suffering, Elijah, he finds himself reaching to a point where he's like, I don't want to live anymore. 1 Kings 19.4, he says, then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Whew. The feeling of being alone. I'm all alone. 
<clears throat> I can't take this anymore. You know, there's no point. Jeremiah, he was another uh, major prophet, prophet <clears throat> and he had a, a, a long, a lifelong battle of sadness. He, he wrote the entire book um, on sorrow called Lamentations. Lamentations 2.10, he said, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? Like, like I just can't cry anymore. Haman, son of Kara. You may have never heard of him. He wrote Psalm 88, which he describes, which is described as one of the darkest psalms in, in the book, one of the darkest chapters. Psalms 88, 2, um, sorry, 88, 5 through 7 reads, They have left me along among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in the grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depth. Your anger weighs me down. With wave after wave, you have engulfed me. Pretty dark stuff. Pretty deep stuff. And, and he, he does what so many people do when, when, when there's rough times, when, when, when they're in a bad place. He turns to God and he points the finger. I think a lot of us can maybe relate a little bit to his life. Bad things happening, wave after wave, one thing after another. It's like, what the world, God? One last one I want to mention of, and there's more, but King David. King David. David wrote a lot of psalms, a lot of the psalms, and, and, and he was maybe one of the most emotional guys that wrote in the Bible. <clears throat> you know, one moment he's, he's out there, he's praising God for who he is, he's all pumped up, and the next moment he's like, where are you, God? Come on, where are you at? <clears throat> he feels like God has turned his back on him, and he claims that his life is full of depression and sadness. Psalm 6, 5, 7 through 7 reads, For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenched in with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. He becomes overwhelmed with sadness and, and he's unable to sleep. And he's a man that's called a, a man after God's own heart, right? In, in 1, Samuel's, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14. They all felt the darkness. Downness, for lack of a better word. And they all questioned, why live? They were questioning the deep things that maybe some of us question. Like, like where are you, God. Is this really worth it? Why, why follow a God that seems so distant, absent? And this may be encouraging to you to know that people in the Bible have, have struggled with depression, but, but you may also be thinking like, what? The Bible talks about this? Yeah, and sadly the church doesn't all that much. And we've been trying, right now you, you can be a part of uh, uh, Mickey's thing downstairs with emotional, spiritual healing. And we want, to, we want to implement opportunities for people to experience healing in this. The Bible is full of examples of what I just described. And I want to jump into a little deeper in the Psalms 42. 
<clears throat> Psalms 42. And as we jump into Psalms 42, I, I want you to be honest with yourself right now. And, and everything I say, I, I, I don't, my heart, <laughs> my heart is not to, to come across at all uh, uh, attacking or, or condemning at all. I don't want you to just take this out of grain of salt. I want, my heart, my hope is that, that you would see, I want to share the hope that I found. I want to share the hope. And just Thursday, actually, as I was, <clears throat> Thursday at work, a couple days ago, I was getting confirmation on this message, which I was kind of like, Lord, take this cup. I'd rather do something else. <laughs> but as, as I was praying about it Thursday afternoon, I was wiring up a genset, all of a sudden, and I kid you not, like your faces, some of your faces just started popping in my mind, and I started feeling like pain, sorrow, sadness, and I just started weeping. I'm serious. Like I, I started, it started dripping, and I was just like, actually, like <laughs> went to the sides. Like guys, don't watch. Like I didn't want the other guys to see me, but like I, I felt this like sorrow, this pain, this, and it was confirmation for me. Like this is real. God broke my heart for this. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can all deal with this at some point or another, don't we? With depressing things, and we let it get to us. So my heart is to just simply share the hope. Psalms 42, let's start at verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's not that long. As the deer pants for the stream of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Now, let me stop right there and, and, and say, you may, you may have heard this verse before in church, right? It's a pretty common thing. If you were at all raised in the church, you may have heard songs saying about it. You may have seen it on posters. I remember learning about this in children's church, and, and you may have heard about this verse. Um, it may be even being preached. And a lot of times, it's portrayed as like, oh, as, as, as a deer pants for water, my soul longs for you, almost like a romantic thing. That's not at all what this is saying. This verse here is more like, as a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, God. Pretty much what he's saying is, what he's actually saying is that in that moment, I'm so deeply empty, God. I'm so empty, I need you. I'm longing for you just like I haven't, as if I haven't drank in so long. There's no romanticizing the desperation that this individual feels. And this is the main thrust of the whole passage here, as we're about to read it, as you will find out. So, continuing in verse 2. My soul thirsts for you, for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the multitude, leading the possession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festival throng. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, and the Mount of Mazar. Deep calls it deep in the roar of your waterfalls. 
All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. And night, his song is over me. A prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It seems as if, you know, this, the author, he, he knows what he needs to do, but he ain't feeling it, right? He's trying to, he's telling himself, like, what he's got to do. You catch that? Like, there are di- there's different kinds of oppression, depressions. And, and one, one that's ramping up this time of year is, is seasonal depression. You may hear people, and maybe you deal with this. Sometimes I, I'm a sunshine kind of guy. I'm telling you, I like the sunshine, and it does something to me. And right now, like people, people this time of year, tens of thousands, if not more, get fall into this depression of, of man, the, the days are getting shorter. It, it, and when when it is, you know, when it is light outside, it's cloudy. Like now, it's it's a lot rainier. It's the snow, and like this, this time of season, it's a real thing. You know, they wake up and they're like, oh, I just want some sunshine, and and it's not. And there's different kinds of depressions, different things that trigger depression. But the author, he doesn't say, like, just, just put your hope in Jesus and everything's going to be fixed. That, that's not how depression always works. God can, in a moment, <clears throat> heal, and I'll repeat this all day long, he can deliver you from depression, oppression, and, and, and any kind of uh, uh, downness, sadness that goes along with that. It happens. I fully believe it. Our church believes it. We see it. My wife's aunt just got delivered from depression not too long ago was at an event like this where they were sharing about it, and they prayed for her, and she was delivered. I mean, amazing. It happens. It can happen. But, but the reality is, God, God doesn't always choose so. We don't understand why. But the reality is, we still live in a fallen world. Right? And, and we have ups and downs. And we need tools to, to, to help us. Tools to, that God gives us. We need the next step. So let me encourage you, if you're bipolar at all, if you deal with depression, anxiety, fear, do these things that I'm about to share with you on a regular basis, what the Bible says. Do them on a regular basis, even if you don't feel like it. And if you don't struggle with this, and you know someone that does, be this person for them. Be this person. First, and write these down so you don't forget, if you have a pen. First is we need to remind your, you need to remind yourself of, of what we truly need, not just what you truly want in the moment. Because often we, we think what we need in the moment, if you're dealing with depression, is not what you actually need. Look at verse 1 and verse 4 again. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Verse 4, these things I remember... As I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festival throng. He remembers what he used to do. 
He remembers what he used to do, and it was great, right? You know, the hardest, one of the hardest things, like I said, for, for someone that's dealing with this, <clears throat> when they're in that dark cloud, is to, to know exactly what they need. And what the author says we need is God. A very, a very wise perspective. Uh, the, the emptiness, the brokenness I feel, the, this longing. I truly need you, God. Because you're the miracle worker. You're the way maker. You're the savior. You're the healer. You're the counselor. Right? I need you. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I know it seems so cliche. It seems, it's like, oh, it's easy for us to say here in a church setting and it's easy for the author to write that who, who probably meditated on this and was inspired by, the, the, inspired by, God, by God to write this, the divine inspiration of God behind this. But with everything going on in your life, when someone is struggling in the midst of it, with everything going on, when we can't see a foot in front of us because the clouds are so thick in the midst of it, we so often think what we, we need is what we want. And, and we often think what we, we need is something that takes away the trigger in our life. People that struggle with depression, they have triggers. And, and it can be real random things. Anything like, for example, it can, it can be, a trigger could be like somebody walking home or coming home to an empty house and, and start feeling like, oh my goodness, I, I'm all alone. I, I Nobody cares about me, right? They, they all of a sudden, they, this trigger happens, and they, they start believing these, these untruths, these, that they're unworthy. I have no friends. No one's around. Nobody cares about me. Uh, I, what, what's the point of life anymore? And they just go down to the deep end, right? Triggers. It, it could be something like uh, <clears throat> somebody going to, to the grocery store, and they want to get some cereal, and they're walking down the cereal aisle, and they have like hundreds like a hundred different kinds on both sides of the aisle, and they're like, oh my goodness, like, whew. they start kind of like, well, what do I want? And like, okay, I want Cheerios. So they go over and they're like, all right, get some Cheerios. Well, well, there's frosted, and there's honey, and there's regular, and, and there's gluten-free, and there's sugar-free, and oh my goodness, and they start kind of getting overwhelmed, and somebody comes, you know, the aisle's already packed, and somebody comes around the corner, and they make eye contact, and they think, oh my goodness, they're staring at me, and they panic, and they leave the car and go, cart and go home. I mean, this is a real thing. Anxiety, fear, depression, triggers. What happens when people are in the midst of that cloud is that what they think, what I need is something to, that remedies the trigger, that takes away the trigger. So, so if my trigger was coming home to an empty house, they think, oh, well, I just need, I need a girlfriend, or I need a boyfriend, or I need a spouse, or I need children. And they think that'll take it away, but when in reality, uh, that, that may not heal it right? We're going to get into that a little bit more. But number two, I believe you need to, um, the second thing is we also need to, to close the doors to those lies as they're able, lies that were able to enter in in the first place. You need to provoke the critics in your life. Verse three that we read, uh, my tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? And verse 9 and 10, then reads, I say to my rock, my God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony 
as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? There, there's always, um, wherever there is depression, there's almost always oppression. <clears throat> you hear that? Often, oppression, when somebody is speaking, maybe somebody's speaking lies in your life, or maybe it's the enemy speaking, using, or themselves, uh, demons speaking lies in your life, and you start believing these thoughts, oppression, <clears throat> oppression can lead to depression. But every time there is depression, oppression, depression, there's always oppression happening. You're always feeling, believing these lies. You're starting, you're hearing these lies. And we need to provoke that. We need to say no. Whether that be the enemy whispering. And we'll get into that. Thirdly, you need to tell yourself what is true, and that goes along with it, you need to tell yourself what is true and right, especially when you don't believe it. Huh. Look at verse 5 and verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed with me? <clears throat> within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. <clears throat> in verse 11, exact same thing. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. <coughs> Same verse. And one of the greatest temptations that you will feel when you're struggling with this is to just destroy yourself with, with, with the lies, with what is not true. You're going to tell yourself in the midst of the struggle, often, that, that you are not worthy that you're not a good mom, that you're not a good dad, <clears throat> that God is upset with you. <clears throat> Those are completely untrue things, and they're from the pit of hell. Listen, the spiritual root of depression is always a lie. It's always a lie. The enemy will speak a lie into your life, and his hope is that it will sink in and make its way into the frame of your being. Not that you hear it and think, you know, oh, that might be true, but, but his desire is for you to hear it and begin to operate based on that lie. And that it will sink to become into your core. And when we latch onto that lie, a state of depression can result. We're getting to the good news, guys. We're getting to the good news. I know it's been a Debbie Downer so far. So what we need to do, even when we don't feel like it, you have to say the absolute truth. You have to speak truth in, in that moment. <clears throat> to do what you think, <clears throat> excuse me, to do and think what is right. And it's proven, you may have heard this before, it is proven that you will start believing something that you keep speaking. I mean, you hear about it, like the lies you will start believing. Somebody that is caught up in lying all the time, you may have heard this, like it's crazy. They actually start believing what they're saying. Even though in the first they knew it was a lie. But over saying it over and over again, they start believing. We have a thing at work. It's kind of, <clears throat> kind of funny, but, but some truth to it. If we're having a rough day, I mean, something's just, everything seems to be going wrong. You know, anyone will yell us out. I've done it. It's like, oh, I love my job. I love my job. I love my job. Right? <laughs> Instead of speaking negative stuff, <clears throat> which is so easy to do, even if you just speak positive stuff in that tone over time, you know, you may start believing it. This is wonderful news, guys. It's actually easy then to dislodge a lie. Just replace it with the truth. When you begin speaking God's word, 
God's truth over your life, when we meditate on His Word, the Word of God, we are renewing our minds. We're renewing our minds. And God's Word says that, that even if a lie is concreted itself in your mind and built itself a house in your mind, the Word of God can still break its hold of your life. Can still break the hold off of your life. Isn't that awesome? I wish Bruce was here. He'd give an amen or something. Most of us won't go very long without taking a bath, right? You won't go that long without cleansing yourself, without taking a shower. But how long will we go without renewing our minds with God's Word? If you aren't reading the, the, the Word, the Bible, every day, daily, uh, and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally, I'd encourage you to start. To start. And I'm not saying this uh, from a heart of, oh, you need to do this so God would love you, or you need to do this so that God will accept you. No, it's actually like the complete opposite. Because God has freed you from all these things, as Acts says, by his grace that he gives you freely, why not go back to the truth and and that message every day and remind ourselves? Why not do that? To allow that to sink into our core. I am a child of God, right? And let that sink in and, and become who we are, like who we are in Christ, right? You have to force your soul to do what is right, to think what is right. And this is literally what they teach in counseling courses for people. This is literally what they teach, to, to do something even when you don't feel like it. Even when you don't feel like it. And what does that look like? For us, it looks like every day, waking up, I'm worthy of life. Speaking life, because I am given the image of God. I am made in the image of my Creator, and He delights in me, right? I am not a failure. I I am not wasted space. I am a good mom. I am a good dad. And God simply just loves me for who I am. Those are true things. And this is why Paul, he talks about, that's why he says to the church of Ephesus, may I remind you of the gospel again. Once again. Because he knew that good news always gets forgotten about. Isn't that sad but true? Like we so often can remember the terrible things that happened in our life in the past quicker than the awesome, cool, great memories that we would have had, right? The good things. And you will not hear a pastor anywhere right now over pulpits share that you should watch the news nowadays. And I'm not going to go down that bunny trail, but you hear the, the, the opposite. Every, everyone is saying, don't watch the news. Untrue. It's negative. It brings us down, right? So Paul says, remind yourself of the good news, what is true. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? As the writer says, you know what, soul? You don't, you, you don't have the right to down, be downcast anymore. You don't have the right because, because my God is good and he loves me and he cares for me. Speaking truth. And, and before you know it, you jump, you're jumping into the war and you're saying, you know what? Hey, this has got to stop. And if you combine, if you combine that with, with loved ones around you and, and professionals 
uh, maybe professionals around you that care about you, and, and you tell yourself that your dependency is on God, all of a sudden, it, it may not go away right away. It, it can, like I said, I would preach that all day long, man, God does miracles. I believe it, 100%. But what happens often is when you surround yourself and, and you step out and you get help and we surround you, before you know it, that next day, you're like, it's not a stick anymore. And the next day, and the next day, you're, you're, you're dislodging the lies and you're speaking truth and, and you're surrounding yourself with people that love you and care about you. And you're, you're reading the word and before you know it, you know, the next day, it's just a little less cloudy. A little less thick, right? I've heard it said too numerous times that the enemy will wait to when you feel like you're getting freedom and you feel like you're being set free and he will come back harder than ever just to try to bring those, all those lies at once to try to get you to go back into that pit of depression. Telling you like, if you're truly free, you wouldn't be thinking this. You wouldn't have doubts. You wouldn't have this thought. Listen, look, you wouldn't be thinking these things. But life, the truth is, life has those ups and downs, right? Life has these ups and downs. And, and, and you just look at David's life. Life isn't perfect. And ask anyone and everyone in here, most likely, there will be days that you feel better than others, Right? But the key to move forward in freedom is to move forward in faith and not fear. And I know, I get it, it's easier said than done. But the key to freedom is to move forward in faith and not fear. I've got a few minutes here. I'm going to go back and share a little bit, some truths. Sorry. God says in Romans 8, 37, but in all things, there things will overwhelmingly, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. You know, Satan say, says life is meaningless. You have no purpose. God says about you in Philippians 1, 6, for I am confident of this, that very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Satan says, you'll never have friends and will always be lonely. God says, it, it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18 and Matthew 6.8, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. When you put all these verses together, <clears throat> you see that God knows you need companionship. He knows fellowship with each other, <clears throat> brings honor to him, and he promises to meet those needs. So if you struggle with loneliness, <clears throat> the question that, that I, I give you is, <clears throat> do we believe what the word says? Are we, are we flooding our minds with the word? Are we reminding ourselves of the truth? Have we taken these verses out and renewed our minds daily? <clears throat> I want to I end. <clears throat> I want to make a parallel here, if you, if you allow me, from a story in Exodus. 
Exodus uh, 17. The Israelites are at war with the Amalekites. It's a familiar verse, uh, passage, where Joshua's at battle and Moses is there with him. And as long as Moses has his staff up in the air, right, they're winning the battle. But as soon as it starts dropping, the, the Amalekites start beating the Israelites. <clears throat> so Moses is on top of the hill and he has the staff up, right? And over time, it, it, what happens? He starts getting tired, right? And it starts dropping. I mean, just holding nothing gets tired and he's holding a staff, right? And, 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 and he starts dropping it and and Joshua and her, they come up to him and they, they say, hey, hey, bro, like, I know what you're going through. Uh, can, can, can I help? Can, can we come and help you? We, we know that you need to keep doing what you're doing in order to win, to see victory. So, so let, let's put a seat under you. So they grab a rock and they put it under him. So Moses sits down. And what do they say then? Oh, you know, you should have done more bicep workout, right? More curls, right? No. No, no, the, and we do that so often, don't we? Like, hey, just, just work through it. You're going to be fine. What do they do? They, they said, you know, how, how about we stand right next to you and lift up your arms up. Lift your arms up the entire time until the battle is done. That's a beautiful thing, right? That, that's, what, that's what we're to do, friends. You, you may have to sit under the arms of someone their whole life. That's what we're called to do, church. It's a beautiful burden to have to help one another. That's what we're called to do. To be there, to help hold each other up. To be someone they can lean on. Depression is a serious thing that eats inside. You don't have to go through this alone. <clears throat> so we're going to end with this song. <clears throat> and you're going to have a time. I'm going to, as we're singing this song, I'm going to invite the, the prayer team to make its way up here and stand up here. And, and we, we would love to pray for you. If you're struggling with it, if you know someone, you want to come up here on the behalf of someone you know, I want to pray with you. Guys, don't wait. I'm going, to, I'm going to end with a couple questions for you to meditate on, to think about, and you can be thinking about it throughout the song. Just a reflection, uh, some reflective questions that we need to ask ourselves whether we struggle with this or not. First one. Have I been spending personal devotional time with God, our Heavenly Father? Well, you can answer these. Is there past hurt that I need to ask God for healing again? To ask God to heal. Guys, relationships are huge. Am I worrying about things instead of submitting them to God in prayer? And it's easy to have fear creep in. Am I making a list of things to be, thank that, to be thankful for, even if it's simply one thing a day? Have I confessed any secret sin to a fellow reliable Christian? 
Listen, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Isn't that awesome news? The most powerful type of healing, I believe, is the healing that you receive, the inner healing that you receive from repenting, from receiving uh, forgiveness. Have I cut off negative input in my life such as social media the news to make sure that godly things have greater influence in me and my emotions or whatever you're dealing with for that matter have I asked for prayer for my struggle with depression Or have I asked for prayer for other things I'm dealing with? And going with that, have I been faithful for asking God for deliverance in this, for this?